¡Ay! ¡Ay, qué fiebre hay! Hello, this is Eric, and this is the craziness that lives inside my head. I'm going to start a series uh, with this series right here. Uh, it's about the 70s. I'm going to start a series about the sex bars in the 70s, the gay sex bars in the 70s. I know they had one straight sex bar, but I'm going to talk about the gay sex bars of the 70s. So. If you screamish about hearing sex talk and how gay men carried on in dark places, I suggest you not listen to this podcast. And I'm quite sure this podcast is basically for gay men who wants to, those of us who are old enough, to close our eyes and think about how it was back in the 70s. First of all, I'm going to start this series off with a bar, a sex bar, called The Strap. I had uh, just started working for um, Hertz Rental Car as a transporter. And there was a guy that works there. His name is Richie. And I heard rumors about Richie being gay. You know, He didn't look gay. He didn't act gay. But he was very quiet. Until you talk to Richie, when you start talking to Richie, then you realize he's gay. He did not, he did not filter his language, and he did not, I mean, hide the fact that he was gay. So Richie approached me. I think I worked here about a year, a year and a half. Had to be like 1976, the summer of 1976. Let's say that. And he read my beads, as they say back then. I was very quiet. I was a fat kid, 400 pounds, but he read my beads. And he took me, he, as he said, took me under his wing to show me the gay life of New York City, especially the village. So, the first place he took me was a sex bar. I, could, I never knew what a sex bar was. I said, they don't do such things in a bar. I said, yes, they do. He said, I'm taking you under my wings and I'm going to show you the gay life of the city, of New York City. 1976. We went down to 18th Street and 10th Avenue. On the corner was a bar called The Strap. Um, when I first went there in 76, you just walked in. When you walk in, you got the bar area. You got the sawdust on the floor. You got the mirrors. You know how you the mirrors on the wall. And on the opposite side of the mirror, you got the bar. And um, you have to order a drink. And there was a door that take you to the back. But you have to order a drink yet. If you don't order a drink, the bartender won't let you go back there. You have to order a drink, you order a drink, you take your drink and you go in the back. He took me in the back, and in the back, in the middle of the floor was a pool table. There was no pool ball, there was no pool uh, pose for the pool, and there was no, no pool balls, it was just a pool table. And it was litly, litly, lit very dimly, I should say, lit very dimly. And there was guys, leaning on the wall surrounding the pool table and then you had two more rooms you had a room that was pitch black and then you had the bathroom okay my first experience because i've been drinking all night by this time oh that's the other thing about 
I told I told kids today about hanging out back in the seventies. When you hang out in the seventies, bars in New York City closed at four a.m. Last call was always five to five to four. Um, and I learned this from my friend Richie. You don't leave that. You don't take a bath around eleven o'clock. And then you you hop in. Well, he had a car. You take a bath around eleven o'clock, and you hop in your car and you go on down to the village. He lived in Queens, and you go on down to the village. At the time, I lived in, in Brooklyn. So I had to make sure I got that 11.30 train because to me, see, like I said, I wasn't into bars and I wasn't into hanging out late. So I had to get to at least get to the bar around. I always got there early. And Richie said, nobody gets to a bar that early. You got to get there by one o'clock. That's when all the action starts. So I made sure I got down there to 18th Street and 10th Avenue at 1 a.m. in the morning. Okay, first time at the bar, Richie took me to the bar, I went to the back, everybody's standing around, blah, blah, blah. I had to go to the bathroom. So I saw where the room was the bathroom, I went to the bathroom. You can't even get into the bathroom. There was sucking dick. And, and uh, uh, there, everybody was sucking dick. Guys was on his knees sucking somebody's dick. Somebody was in a store sucking dick. And, so, and then Richie pulled me out of the, the bathroom. He goes, nobody goes to the bathroom to go to the bathroom. Go outside and take a pee. So I had to go outside and pee behind one of the, the, the parked cars. And that's what they did. Nobody went to the bathroom in the bathroom. Bathroom was for sex. Went back in. Then he said, go in that back room. I said, I don't want to go in there. It's, it's dark. Ain't no lights in there. It's pitch black. He said, go in the back room. So I go in the back room. And then when I'm in the back room, and all you, all you, you can't see a damn thing. I got there. I was petrified. You can't see nothing. I'm just standing there. And hands were all over my body. People were just feeling around. Of course, the first thing they feel for is, is your crotch. But then I had some guys, one guy, he felt my crotch. And he worked his hands up to my, now mind you, I'm quite 400 pounds, up to my breast area, start squeezing him. And he screamed at the top of his voice in a little nelly sissy scream. Oh my God, there's a woman in here. Oh, the whole room Cleared out. Cleared out. And everybody stood on the other side of, of the door waiting to see this woman, you know, to come out. I was petrified. I wasn't going to go out there. I wasn't going to go out there. And, no, and none of the guys wanted to go back in because there was a woman back there. One guy said, I'm not going back in there. There's a female back there. I don't want to be buying a female. So anyway, my friend Richie was standing there laughing and laughing. So when it, when people started to leave, you know, Peter out, whatever they did. Richie said, you can come out now. You can come out now. They're all gone. He knew it was me. That was my first experience in a sex, gay sex bar called The Strat. I was horrified. And I told Richie, I'm not going back there. I'm not going back there. Of course, knowing Richie, he gave me a couple of drinks, you know, but it didn't happen right away. Maybe a month or two months later. <laughs> We, we, we met and I had a couple of drinks and I said, oh, okay, Richie, I'll go back. So I went back to the strap. My, my second experience was the cattiness and the shallowness of gay men. White gay men. I'm going to say white gay men because this is my first expression. I've always been around black. So this is really hanging in the village is really my very first experience being around white gay men. Okay. So, 
there's this black guy. You know, remember the dark room with the pool table that nobody plays pool and everybody just hanging around the room and the wall is hanging there. So there was this black guy. And I felt kind of, oh, wow, another black guy. I was a fat black guy. But this was a tall, you, if, I, you, if I had to describe him, he was like a basketball player. He was tall, thin. I want to say thin. He had a great body. Anyway, he's standing there and all the white guys keep grabbing his, his, his dick, you know, grabbing the area. He, ha he, he didn't have it out. They kept grabbing his crotch. And he keep pushing guys' hands away, you know. I found this out, too, by going to the strap, that if a guy wants you to, if a guy likes you, he'll let you play with his crotch. If he doesn't like you, he'll push your hand away. Some guys, I've seen some guys slap your hand away, and I'm like, that's, that's, that's horrible. Anyway, so you got this black guy. He's standing there, good-looking black guy. God, he was good-looking. Great body, tall. And all these guys was 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 trying to you know play you know play with his crotch. He pushed some guys' hands away. He pushed another guy's hands away. So finally, I guess the guy, one white guy, I guess he liked this one white guy. So the white guy, they kiss, which was shocking kind of in, in a way back then. In a way, um, I'm only using what I'm saying shocking because I, I I think if I'm not mistaken, back in the 70s, because I saw a lot of porn in the 70s at the porn. Um, at the porn movies, that's another story. I never saw those porn guys kiss in those movies. So to, to go to a gay bar and to see a white guy kissing on a black guy. But I had to admit, the guy was freaking gorgeous and hot and handsome. So all the white guys wanted to kiss him. So they're kissing. So finally, this white guy got his dick out. And the black guy had a heart on. Okay. The black guy got to be what? 6'5", well-built. He had broad shoulders. So well-built, 6'5". And he had a heart on when the guy got it out. The guy looked at it and then he walked, the guy, the white guy walked away. Actually walked away. You know why he walked away? The black guy had a small dick, I guess. I mean, in today, in today terms, it was an average sized dick. About six inches, six and a half. Isn't that average, right? So the white guy walked away. And then there was another white guy who was definitely, now mind you, all these white guys were trying to grab this black man's dick. But when, they, when he finally got it out and it wasn't big, nobody wants to be bothered with him. I couldn't believe this. No, he just, then he just stood there. So then he put his dick back in, in, in his pants and then he stood there. Nobody cared. Then I heard something. And I heard, well, I heard a friend of Richie. His name was Eddie. And I heard him say under his breath, I don't want no black man. If I'm going to go out with a black man, if I'm going to suck a black man's dick, it got to be a good nine inches. And I'm like, you motherfuckers. You motherfuckers. Now, talking about racism, I noticed in the black community back in the 70s, that wasn't, that wasn't, I mean, quite, of course, sure, you're going to have white guys who don't care about the size of a man's dick. But, there was a lot of white guys who had that thought in their head, who had that attitude. They're not going to be bothered with a black man unless he has a black dick. That's what I left me out. So I wasn't worried about that too much. But I would say this. I felt bad for the black guy. The hardest thing, nobody wants him because he has a small dick. And, it, and it, I hate to say a small dick. It was, it was an average sized dick. I mean, what the fuck you guys want? I know what they want. Because one black guy came in there. 
this black guy had to be in 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 how you say had to have a lifestyle of Christopher Street. He was black. He was dressed in what they call leather. Um, he wasn't a leather queen. They had leather queens. Leather queen. <laughs> that's another story. But leather queens. But he he was dressed in leather. Quite. He was also good looking. Bearded with sunglasses. Came to, came in there. He did the same thing. He was well built. wasn't that tall, but he was well built. He stood there. He took out his dick. He took his dick out. Yeah, it was big. Looked like it was hanging down to his knees. And the freaking guys are fighting over it. White guys was on their knee. One was fighting the other one to suck it. And the other one was pushing it out of his mouth. and put it. I said, well, I'll be damned. I'll be damned. And I was shocked. I left there uh, with Richie. And Richie said, you look like a ghost. I said, Richie, I never saw such a thing. I said, what the hell? I said, I'm surprised they didn't get arrested or anything. Then Richie goes, well, most of these bars are run by the mafia. And you know they're paying off the, the police. So, that was my experience, first experience with the strap. And then as the years go on, yes, as the years went on, as I got older and hanging out more with with the gay girls out in Christopher Street, yes, I was I was back in the back room. Yes, I was there having sex. I was standing at the yes, I did that have sex. Um, one thing I can say I've never done, I've never picked up a guy at the strap and took home. Never took did that. But I want to tell you something else that changed. Mind you now. All these gay girls, in quotation, love black dick. Because black men are supposed to have a big dick. Well, let me tell you what happened during the years. A lot of black guys who, down that neighborhood, um, I forgot what's that neighborhood? That's the, um, what's the name of that damn neighborhood? Chelsea. That was right, well, the village, and then you had Chelsea. But main, main, mainly, on the east side, you had a lot of um, the hood, if you went east. This is 10th Avenue. So if you went 10th Avenue around 14th Street, 10th Avenue, 18th Street. 14th Street towards the east is we had the projects. A lot of those boys from, oh, no, you did have a project over in the 20s. I'm, I take that back. I think on 7th Avenue you had a project. Anyway, those boys from the projects, because I fooled around with one of them, um, they would come there, these black boys. I'm, I'm talking about black boys. They would come there. And what they did was they would have, uh, you know, they come in, have these guys. I think it's two of them. One would come in and put his dick out in the, the back room and let the guy, let the white guy suck his dick. And I think think the other black guy would rip the white guy out because they always had their pockets. They were they were thieves. They were they were pickpockets. White guys were getting their pockets picked. So. You would think if you're getting your pocket picked by a black man with a big dick, you stop sucking on it, right? No. What they did was, back then, they charge. They charge. I remember the strap charge. I think it started off with $2. Th that didn't stop it. But I think they went up to $5, maybe up to 10 And I kind of stopped the so-called hoodlum, that kind of um, going on, for entering. Because they couldn't, you know, even though I think one or two guys still get ripped off there was they had a it got so bad 
that um, they had a sign before you went into the strap. There was, a, I think, there was a sign at the door saying, "Do not carry your jewelry or whatever into the bar," because that's how that's how bad uh, the guys were ripping off the gay guys. Sometimes I used to get mad. I said, "Well, serve them right." They always want to suck on a big black dick. Well, this is what you get. Now, I should qualify that. I'm quite sure there was white guys with, with big dicks doing the same thing. So, anyway. So, anyway. And then, to make it to be real uh, equal, there were guys who didn't have big dicks. There were just uh, queens that would do the same thing. They, they, I, mean, I mean, I almost had somebody did that to me. Not at the strap, but at another place. Where this queen was um, blowing on her knees, blowing me. And then, at the same time, I, I kind of felt her hands reaching in my back pocket but I don't I never carry my wallet in there. I never carry my wallet in any bar. I've learned that from Richard. You never carry your wallet in your bar. You, oh just carry just enough to spend for your drinks. You don't carry your wallet. Don't be stupid. So anyway, that was the strap. That was the strap. I can't think of anything else to happen with the strap. That was basically it. Strap was just basically a sex bar. They had the music. You wasn't allowed to dance. I, I used to like to, uh, when I get high, when I get a little, you know, wasted, as they say, I like to shake my shake my booty and shake my tits, you know, you know how it is. Because they had all that disco music going on. But you, but you can't dance there. They didn't have what they call a cabaret license, so there was no dancing. So a lot of times I got kicked out the bar. No dancing. Get out. Okay. All right. All right. But that was a strap. There was another bar I want to talk about. I can't think of the name at this moment. I may have to say that in another podcast. I was only in that bar. I was never. Well, I shouldn't say I was never in that bar. What's the name of that bar? It was in the meat. It was what they call the meat market district, um, not far from 14th Street. Uh, that bar, by the way, was in the movie uh, Cruising. With um, okay, the name came to me. The name of that bar. That my friend Richie took me to, and I only stayed there like I only went there twice. Was called the Mine Shaft, and I and the Mine Shaft was off of 14th Street on 10th, if I'm not mistaken, on 10th Avenue or 11th Avenue off of 14th Street. I think it was 14th Street over 10th Avenue. On 10th Avenue off of 14th Street. Did I say that right? Anyway, the Mine Shaft. Yeah. It, all I know was it was upstairs. It was a long steps. Mind you, I'm, I'm close to 400 pounds. I had to walk up these long steps. This is the first time I went there to the mine shaft. They wouldn't let me in. They wouldn't let me in because the uh, the bouncer said that I smelled. I had too much perfume on. And I and I don't even wear perfume. I mean, come on, guys. At 11 o'clock at night, I'm taking a shower and I'm gonna be out for the rest of the night. I mean, you, you don't want to. I want to smell nice. But no. So the next time he was going to the mine shaft, Richie called me. Make sure you don't take a shower. They want you to smell manly. They want you to smell funky, like a man. Okay. So this is the mine shaft, my second time. My second and only and last time I went to this mine shaft. Again, I went back, same bouncer, sniffed me. <laughs> I guess I smell funky enough to go in. So I go in. And it's the same thing. You got the as soon as you go in the door, you got the bar, the sawdust, and then you have the mirrors on the other side, you know, opposite of the bar. But this was like a loft, so it was long. So you go into the next room, a big room, um, like a loft, and it had um, bathtubs, bathtubs, five or six, 
maybe more bathtubs. And then you have rooms off to the side. I had just went into one of those rooms off to the side, and that room, it was all in my mind, everything was dimly lit. Dim. In that room, there was a naked guy, strapped, hanging from the ceiling. There were guys in line. One guy had his fist up the guy's butt, up to the, his, his, his elbow. And there was another guy who was waiting, I guess, to do the same thing. I mean, you could, I was shocked. My eyes were open. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So... I didn't even go in that room, but meanwhile, the room, I looked in there, and that's all I did. And the room I was in, the one with all the bath bathtubs, had guys, naked guys, laying in the bathtub with other guys, some naked and some not, peeing on them. Literally peeing on them. I turned around, and Richie goes, where you going? I said, I'm getting the fuck out of here. That was my experience with the mine shaft. And I only went there twice. Like I said, the first time it wouldn't let me in. And the second time I got in there, I did not go back. To, in my opinion, the mindshare was not my scene. So, <laughs> I want to tell you something. I've seen back in the... I was, I was very uh, naive back then. And like I said in the beginning of this podcast, Richie took me under his wing to show me the life of gay life in the village in New York City. Like I said, this is a series and I'm going to talk about all the gay sex bars I've been to in New York. This is Eric and that's the craziness that lives inside my head. Ay, ay, que fiebre, ay.